Good morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence this morning, to be able to come into your house and bring worship to you. And Lord, we just bring all of our cares and our worries and we bring them into you and we lay them at your feet. We know that you have our whole lives in your hand, Lord, and that we don't need to fear. We don't need to be afraid of what's out in the world because we have the confidence of your spirit in us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Is you made. 
God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And bless me as kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
together the collect. Almighty and merciful God, it is only by your gift that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Grant that we may run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Children, if you'll come forward. <laughs> Excellent. Glad to see you all. <laughs> all right, if you would pray with me for these little children as they go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Lord Jesus, for all of the children that you've put in our lives here at St. Michael's. We pray, Lord God, that you would always watch over and keep them. Fill them, Lord God, with wisdom and courage and strength all their days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Reading comes from Micah chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew their teeth, who prepare war against him who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore, you shall have night without vision, and you shall have darkness without divination. The sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be dark for them. So the seers shall be ashamed and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer from God. But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Now hear this. You heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel, who abhor justice and pervert all equity, who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Her her heads judge for a bribe, her priests teach for pay, and her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No harm shall come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion, Shall be plowed like a, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. The word of the Lord. <laughs> this morning's psalm is Psalm 43, and we'll read it responding by the asterisk. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. On the heart I will praise you, O God my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. 
This morning's New Testament reading is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of the Lord. as we hear his holy gospel, the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory be to you, Lord Christ. Chapter, St. Matthew, chapter 23, beginning at verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues. Greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you 
shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. pray right now that you would open our eyes more and more every day to see the wonderful things that you are doing. And Jesus, I pray that you'd help me to preach your word with clarity and conviction and that your Holy Spirit would transform us as we hear the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So today I'm going to talk about something that may offend some people. And so I warn you, I'm going to use a dirty word in our language, in our lingo, in our culture. So if you're sensitive, feel free to hold your hands over your ears. I will not be offended. But the thing we're talking about this morning is authority. (sighs) Oh no, I thought we were the people of freedom. Authority? We got rid of the Brits ages ago. No, that's obviously something that is so permeated our culture. This idea, no one could tell me what to do, right? There's this idea that is so deeply ingrained in our culture that none of you didn't pick up on the humor in what I was saying. Every one of us understood, oh yeah, you're right, authority is kind of weird nowadays, right? I thought I could move out of my parents' house and never have to do anything that I didn't want to do again. That is a lie. And if you are under the age of 18 and you are hoping for that day, lose that. That is not a dream that you get to have. We actually are the type of people who can boast that we are under authority. And hopefully by the end of this sermon, you will not reject authority, but look ways to submit in your life and to lead the way that Christ leads us. Amen? 
That's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 23. He's talking about proper authority, the proper use of authority. And he says some things that we're going to wrestle with today because they're challenging. And believe it or not, they were meant to be so. Jesus actually intended to challenge what you currently believe so that you could become transformed. If you only ever hear what you want to hear, what you already know to be true, you will never change. And so when Jesus is saying these things, he didn't intend them to be the type of things that just went into the atmosphere, everybody cheered, and they went home. He wanted change to come from the things that he said. So let's read this with that in mind. What does Jesus want to accomplish by saying these things? In Matthew chapter 23, we'll begin in verse 1. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, not the work, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. How many times have you heard that? They don't practice what they preach. That's Jesus that we're quoting when we say that. He cares deeply that those who preach practice. And the person in this room who should be most nervous is me right now. That's a pretty high standard. I'm sitting here preaching a sermon about how you should practice what you preach. If I sweat a little, that's probably why. So what is he saying, though, about Moses' seat? What, what's going on here? Is it some archaic, like, Jewish thing? They're in some chair? I mean, what, is there a real seat? I mean, do they take turns sitting in it, you know, if they're all sitting in Moses' one seat? No, he's talking about the law, right? He's saying they are the teachers and interpreters of the law, which God gave for your benefit. So do what they say to do. But, you know maybe don't do what they practice. In this whole chapter, he explicitly calls out what the Pharisees are doing wrong. And so when you look here, I hear the cultural criticism where people who have, you know, deconstructed their faith. I don't know if you've heard that term, but it is pretty popular in a certain realm. They've given up on Christianity. And most of the reasons that they bring forward start And many of them end with, well, Christians aren't very Christian. So I rejected all of Christianity. What a tragedy. Jesus doesn't give us that out. He actually says, even though the Pharisees and the scribes are doing evil deeds, you actually are still beholden to the truth. So when you hear them preach the law and interpret the law, do it. Don't reject it because you don't like them, because they aren't doing what they preach. How often do we find an excuse for our sin, our rebellion, because, yeah, well, nobody does that. Well, yeah, he, you know, I steal from my work, but, you know, my boss is a thief, too. Or how about this? The system is corrupt, and so I have free license to do whatever I want to do. Jesus doesn't give us that excuse. He says even the people who will argue for his crucifixion. Listen to them when they speak about the law, when they teach you the ways of God. We are beholden not to men, but to the truth. So listen carefully and learn. God can teach you out of anything. I will tell you that. 
So the key here is that you have a call on your life to do the right thing. And you don't get to let anybody else dissuade you from that path. We don't have a right to reject it, no matter who is teaching it. As long as it's true, we are called to listen and understand. You know, our whole culture is built on this idea right now of, and built is almost a funny word because it's really a way of deconstructing what has come before. We have used the excuse, but didn't you see, didn't you know George Washington owned slaves? Didn't you know that even Abraham Lincoln, who died in the service of the freedom, he was probably a racist because of his time. You know that? And we use these critiques to tear down structures that have been built for our benefit. If you trust God, then the way that you respond to evil and corrupt authority is by doing what you're called to do, discerning the truth in your life, and then trusting God to take care of it. Right? We can only do what we're called to do. And Jesus, talking about these scribes and Pharisees, had already many times predicted their downfall. That actually God was going to take the vineyard, these wicked stewards, and give it to somebody else who would actually follow his word. So you don't have to be the arbiter of justice on the earth. We already have one. We just have to live in service of that king. Right? Don't give in to the offense that can settle in when somebody who's over you is not doing what they should be doing. You can build this this anger and this frustration because why? How long will the wicked prosper? Well, we're called to trust God more than what we see in the world. And we know that the wicked are like the chaff that the wind drives away. But we are written in the eternal book of life. The righteous, though he falls seven times, he'll get up again. We can hold on to the promises of God even when it doesn't look like the justice is happening that we know and long for. So what are these scribes doing? He starts talking about these evil leaders. Number verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. I love Jesus' poetic language. Like He talks like us, right? It's like he won't even lift a finger to help. He's trying to call him out. He's saying, you know, what if I stood up here every week and told you how awful you were and then went and did all the things that I was telling you were awful? That's what these scribes and Pharisees are doing. They are putting all these burdens and yet they're creating legal loopholes so that they can follow the law but divorce their wife 57 times. There's all of these things that they were building to take care of themselves. Let me tell you this. This tells us something about how the teachers in the church should teach. If you walk away from a sermon feeling like every time you go listen to somebody, you just get this heavy burden, you just feel like you're not good enough and you're such a failure, well, there's two things going on. Number one, you probably are a failure. (laughs) You probably need Jesus Christ to help you. Maybe there's some conviction. But number two, that preacher needs to remember the love of God for you. At least I try to remind myself every day when I'm writing my sermon, maybe this sounds good and maybe it's my own condemnation in myself. 
Maybe I need to be bathed in the love of Christ before I stand up before the people he died to save and tell them about their sin. Because Jesus walked this line throughout his entire life, telling us you can be set free. You can live with me and reign with me in glory. I have come for the abundant life, not to condemn the world, but to save it. And then in the very next breath, say, now take up your cross and follow me. And so when he talks about these people, they're tying this burden up and they're burdening the people. I just remember Jesus who said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a deep mystery, but the more you push into it, the more it reveals itself to you. The more you do what God is inviting you into, the more free you are, the less of a burden you have. In fact, all the burdens that I typically feel, I put on my own back. By my sin, by my ignorance, by my laziness, by my etc., my lack of trust, my fear. And God's sitting there saying, come to me, learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me say this. Be discerning. Jesus is not saying that you should follow all authority in your life without question at all times. He specifically says they sit in the seat of Moses. So where is their authority? Is it in them? It's in the law of God. And so even as I talk about these things, maybe you do encounter somebody in your life who you need to say no to. Now, I don't feel the need to really preach that very hard because I think all of us in our very DNA want to say no to authority. So I want to tell you, be discerning. We have a good God, and he will remind you when it's time to stand up for what you believe in. At least in my life, The few times I've been able to stand up and say no to the authority with God's blessing, I have taken advantage of those. It has been a pleasure. But you know what? There is something in submission and trust that we forget about. We are so concerned with being right and the burdens they're putting on me. Oh, this boss, this government, this preacher, this person. We're always justifying our rebellion. So if you can get the submission part down, I trust God to work in you for the times when you stand up and say no. Okay, verse 5, what else do they do? They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. Thank the Lord that we don't have this type of behavior in church. Wait, hold on. Maybe we do. How often are we looking for our due? If we, I'm going to contain myself for a second. Let's walk it back. How easy is it for us to be striving to be recognized, to be noticed, to be praised, to be honored? And yet, what does Paul tell us in Romans 12? He says, outdo one another in receiving honor. No. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. We should be competitive. Man, you're so great. No, you're so great. You're so awesome. I love what you did there. Oh, I love what you did there. Oh, I love, man, you are so great. You should be in charge. You're just wonderful. We should find ways to honor people. Do you want to know how to love your neighbor? 
find ways to honor them. And I'll give you a hint. This is just, this isn't even, uh, you know, it's probably in scripture. I don't know. I don't have a backup verse for this principle, but I'll tell you it works. Look for something they do well and tell them how well they do it. That is a good way to love someone. You will be shocked by how they respond. You're having a problem with someone at work? Find something they do well and tell them that they do it well. Don't make it up. Find something real that they do well. Tell them how well they do it and watch how they respond. They're going to light up. Oh, you noticed. Because there is something deep within us that craves honor. But the kingdom is this upside-down economy, right? We crave honor. We crave love. Go honor people. Go love people. Trust God with your needs and watch the abundance flow. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad. I just wanted to let you guys know what phylacteries mean, because I had to look it up, so you probably don't know. (laughs) Maybe you've heard about it before. But there's these leather satchels that would have the Bible in it, and it's literally the equivalent of just getting the biggest Bible. It'd be like if I came up here and had a 10-inch Bible and just like slammed it on the pulpit like, oh, look at me, you know? It's really the silliest thing, and he's making fun of them because they have these elaborate phylacteries, these Bible pouches that they wear around their necks so everybody can know how holy they are. Thank God you never see anything like that at church. No. So remember that the point of all of this is for inner transformation. I really, this is like the most cliche phrase and something in me doesn't like it, but it is so true. And so I have to say it, right? We are performing for an audience of one. I don't like that. I want an audience of hundreds, thousands, everybody. Look at me. Look at me. No, there's one person you have to impress. God, your father. And guess what? This is the good news. He loves you like a lot. He always sees the things you do well and is looking for opportunities to tell you. Okay, verse 8. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. This is a complicated verse. There's some people who don't understand what this verse means. I had to think about it for a little while. I had to look up some interpretations. Does it mean, let me ask this question. Let's make it ridiculous first, and then we'll go back to what it might mean. But does it mean that when I'm three years old, I call my dad Ed? Because I'm not going to call him father. Absolutely not. Does it mean that I can't talk about how Bishop is one of the great teachers of the CEC? Absolutely not. He is a great teacher. Does it mean that we can't call our priest father? Absolutely not. What Christ was talking about and what my Bible referenced was this other verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Because Jesus knew, Jesus knew human nature. He knew what we would do. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we see Paul talking to this church. And he says, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you. Yes, quarreling in the church. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas. Well, I follow Christ. 
Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? What's he saying here? He's getting at the same point that Jesus was getting at. Don't make who you follow anyone other than Jesus. And don't try and outdo one another in receiving honor. This would happen with the Pharisees. Well, you know, Rabbi Zecharias has 20 followers, but Rabbi uh, Judah has 500. And so I like this guy. He's making a point that the only authority in the church is Christ's authority. Do you know how much authority Christ has? All authority. Do you know how much you have apart from Christ? No authority. We're talking about this big word authority. He's making it clear. The only authority is his. And so when I preach, if I try and do it by my strength and my authority, then I fail. It's all because of him. Now, that doesn't mean you can't like certain preachers or teachers, or you can't show honor to those who do things well, but just recognize that the center of their authority and their ability has to be Christ. The center of everything is Jesus. And so that also deflates these scribes and Pharisees who are running around talking about how great they are when you start thinking, oh yeah, I'm not great. God is great. There's that famous book that's uh, Christopher Hitchens. He says, God is not great. And he lays all of this blame on him and all of this stuff. And, you know, there is no God because this, this, and that. It's like you could not be more wrong. Everyone else and everything else is not great apart from God. There's no greatness apart from him. And so as we talk about authority and we think about the people we're respecting in our lives, the reason you should listen to me is not because of me. It's because I'm operating in the authority that comes and flows from Jesus when I preach. And trust me, when I get it wrong, I have a lot of wonderful men who will help me know, hey, you got it wrong. And if they fail, God himself will correct you and me. Amen? So what is Jesus saying? It doesn't have to do with who you call father, teacher, rabbi. It has to do with where all authority dwells. In him, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So if you have any authority, you don't. Well, okay, let me say it this way. You don't have it apart from him. Stop pretending that you're in charge. He is. Then you can operate in authority and you can be awesome. Because it's his and not yours. Okay. Verse 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's stop for a moment and talk about pride. There's one person who God resists over and over and over again. It is the proud. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So if I were you... And I was looking at my MMA match, and I was looking at this, you know, mixed martial arts, and I was looking at the contenders to resist me. I just wouldn't pick God. And so don't be proud, because if God is against you, what hope have you? 
All throughout the scripture, it says, God is for us. Who can be against us? God goes with us, so I will not be afraid. God loves us. And then it says, but he resists the proud. Don't fall into the trap. And, you know, it's really an interesting thing because what the enemy can do, the only thing he can do is he can twist what God made good into evil. So what is pride? It's recognizing the goodness that God is growing within you, but taking credit for it. Pride is saying, no, my intelligence, my talent, my ability, my whatever, my stunning good looks are me. When instead I should be saying, thank you, God, for my intelligence, my ability, my stunning good looks. Right? It's a trick. Okay, everybody, I know. All right, false premise. The stunning good looks made things a little confusing. But the point is, we are called to live as people of humble gratitude. And pride is the lie that deconstructs everything. Those people who end up rejecting God How prideful do you have to be to reject God? It deconstructs everything. And I'm not just talking about those people. I'm talking about all of us. Okay. I do have to talk about the patriarchy because we're talking about authority and it just, it's a buzzword. It's one of those, you know, it's really important. We got to talk about the patriarchy. Remember this, the greatest among you shall be your servant. As we talk about the patriarchy, and I heard somebody say this really well, what is the point of men leading anywhere? It's so that they may serve. I'm going to talk about what I know because I can't talk about all the things, right? Talking about what I don't know is probably a bad idea. In a marriage relationship, when the man throughout scripture, I do believe is called to be an authority over his wife, that there's actually a misunderstanding baked into that idea for us. Because what I thought when I married Haley, my beautiful wife, was that that meant I could tell her what to do. Believe it or not, that's not the point. And she vowed in our marriage vows. We used some traditional vows. She vowed to obey me. And I've lost several fights bringing up just that point. Don't mention it ever again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being a little facetious here. But man, when I demand my own way, everything goes wrong. Because God resists the proud. And so even if I was right originally, if I do it the wrong way, it falls apart. Everything I do and say should be in service to my wife, my family, my church. Any position of leadership requires that. And when I approach her from the perspective of how can I serve you, I get my way. It's a weird kingdom economy. Because what I've done in that moment is I've made my way his way. The way of service. And so really, I'm not getting my way. I'm getting his way for my family. And I'm fighting for that. And man, do you have to fight for it? And most of the time, the enemy is actually not her. It's you. And if you haven't realized that, grow up. And it works both ways. 
for a wife fighting her husband, most of the time the problem, the person you in particular need to be fighting is you. Yes, he needs to be fighting him and you need to be fighting you and it's all very confusing, but you get the point. You're outdoing one another and showing honor. You're looking for ways to serve one another. And that's how you lead. In fact, the greatest coronation in the history of the world is Jesus' crucifixion. All hail King Jesus as he lays down his life to serve the church. In fact, that's what Paul tells us marriage is all about. Every one of you husbands need to be crucified for your wife. Because that's how Christ loved the church. That's how he leads the church. Now, let's be clear here, right? I tell my kids what to do. And very occasionally, I even tell my wife what to do. But do you know what's important about it? Is when I do it in service of her and my children, then I'm doing it in the way of the cross, the way of Christ. But when I do it for my gain and my stubborn authoritarianism, then it all goes wrong. So my point is not that you come home and you ask your wife what to do and then you go do it as though she's your boss. My point is because you might be the leader in your own household, you should look for ways to serve in leadership. Like my kids, if I didn't tell them what to do, they would die. I'm not kidding. Kids are stupid. They need a whole lot of time to get smart. You know it if you've been around children. They need their parents to tell them what to do. But golly, if you're not serving your children by doing so, you're setting up your own little kingdom where everybody goes and serves you. You're building your house on sand, and it's going to fall away. It all has to be built on the foundation, which is Christ the Lord, the servant, and the maker of heaven and earth. So that's the point that Jesus is trying to get across. And it got to somebody because later Paul writes this beautiful passage that we're going to end with. This is going to be our closing passage. And so just hear these words and hear how it reflects what Jesus was talking about as we end today. In Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We should all live that way. We should all live that way. And the good news is that God has actually made the way for us so that we can also be exalted and rule and reign with him. Amen?
Amen. Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was an incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he which will come again to glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Therefore, let us join in, join in by bringing our requests and those of the whole world before the God of all. For a humble and merciful church that expresses the unconditional love and forgiveness of God, Lord, in your mercy, Hear our for those who work for peace and justice among the nations, Lord, in your mercy, For the poor, the homeless, the lonely, and the addicted, Lord, in your mercy, for racial reconciliation among peoples and nations, Lord, in your mercy, for those in the pro-life movement who have suffered ridicule, rejection, material loss, or imprisonment, that they will be comforted by Jesus' promises of eternal rewards, Lord, in your mercy, for this community that we will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order to know Christ better. Lord, in your mercy, for our children, that our words and deeds will be an image of Christ for them. Lord, in your mercy. Eternal Father, we desire men and women to serve you in every generation. Hear our prayer. Give us the grace to bear witness to your holy gospel to the next generation. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of God.
Okay, the Lord be with you. With your spirit. Hey, listen. Big, big things happening. <laughs> Amen. If you're not signed up and you're a man, you need to sign up. It's the men's retreat. Amen. And uh, we're going to have an amazing time. The Lord always, always meets us in a special way. And uh, I guarantee you, if, if, if you come, you will be blessed. Amen. Amen. See, Eric, if you haven't signed up, uh, if you have signed up, bring a sleeping bag, bring a towel, bring a coat. <laughs> you know the things. Do that. Amen. Um, that's the big one. See, Eric. We have our annual missions offering today, Bishop. It's listed as today, so uh, you should have a way to designate your offerings on this. This is for our CEC churches around the world. Mm -hmm. We want to, we want to, it's like the little we give becomes great big in the things that they're doing. So keep that in mind, hear what the Lord is saying to you, and give what he's asked. Amen. Uh, Mrs. Bishop, uh, <laughs> Kathy Davidson's here with us. She's okay. not a bishop, but she's the bishop's wife <laughs> and a dear friend of ours. And, Amen. Uh, we're so blessed to have you. What a great woman of God. Amen. Amen. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Thank you. 
excited to have the opportunity to receive the body and blood of Christ and to uh, call myself a Christian. Amen. I should never shy away from it. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim the glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise.
fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread, and he gave thanks, he broke the bread, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died, died. Christ Christ is risen, and Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. Remember those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up this day Susan and Naomi and Sanja and Sandra and Tammy and Patrick, the Mike and Sean, the Burnett family and Tyler and Terry, Ed, the Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in the armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. You made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, with the apostles and the martyrs and all those saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
God who loves us and individually works in each one of our lives. And I'll tell you what, I just sense there's somebody who's uh, watching this or will watch it soon. And uh, that word is for you. That word is for you to know that God is actually dramatically working in your life. And you may not sense it. You may be in one of those times like Deacon Jesse talked about where you, you, where you don't feel close or you don't feel deserving. Or None of that's true. <laughs> we're deserving because he said we were. And we're his. And he loves us. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and sickness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.